0: Good morning. Good morning. James 5.9, one verse. One verse. In my study, a very convicting verse. I was telling somebody yesterday, you know, when you read the Word of God, you need to always remember that it is for Instruction for reproof, for correction. And, beloved, we ought to keep that in mind whenever we read the Word of God. James 5.9, look at it there. <clears throat> James writes, Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Pray with me. Oh God, I pray that you would help us this day. Father, the last day of the calendar year, I pray that, Lord, we would, Father, glorify you as a church, Father. I pray as individual believers we would worship you in spirit and in truth. Father, as we come to you and we leave 2023 behind, Father, I pray we would leave sin behind as well. And, Father, we confess our sins to you. I confess my sins to you. We ask for your forgiveness. You promised, Father, if we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us for our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, God, what a precious thing. And, Father, so we come to you and we remember the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ when all of our sins were laid upon him. Oh, God, we give you our heart's thankfulness Father, for the cross. Now I pray you would bless us for these few moments, Father. uh, And hear our hearts, Father. Hear the groanings of our hearts, Father. And I pray we would give you our full attention. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I really don't have to define what a grudge is to you. Everybody knows what a grudge is. Um, There's a biblical... The definition in the book of Leviticus, we'll go there in a few minutes, but in the Old Testament passage in Leviticus 19, and we'll read that in a moment, the writer uh, Moses of Leviticus, he pairs grudging with avenging yourself. And so that's an interesting coupling of those two attitudes. In James 5.9, and in fact, to grudge in the Old Testament actually means to keep or to cherish anger in your heart towards someone. So if you hold a grudge, what you are actually doing is you are, you are keeping your anger or your resentment towards someone for something or for something they did to you or for something they've said to you. It's a grudge. Um, again, I don't have to really define it for you. Everybody knows what a grudge is. It's when you, you have resentment kind of smoldering within your heart. Towards someone, and here's the key in this: is that you won't let it go. You won't have a forgiving heart, as you feel like you have been wronged, and you want to see that wrong righted. And too often, we want to see it righted in our own way, rather than committing that to the Lord. And so, uh, and of course, we'll see in a moment the greatest example of that is our Lord Jesus Christ in committing Himself to the Lord. James five nine. Uh, in our definition here, to grudge is to murmur. It means define to murmur, to groan, to sigh, or to be irritated in your heart towards someone, again, for something they did to you or for something perhaps that they said to you. Now, when you keep these things in your heart, and this is what I really want you to get today. And I want you to search your hearts. And listen, when I, when I read this and I try to do the best by the grace of God to search my heart and ask the Lord, Father, do I have any grudges in my own heart against any? And the bottom line is I shouldn't. And so, listen, when we keep wicked thoughts within our hearts, when we hold on to them, when we don't cast them out of our hearts and our minds, beloved, then we could be said to be and you've heard the term holding a grudge, holding a grudge, holding on to it. Listen, when the, when the devil, when the wicked one finds, because listen, he's looking for any weakness in your Christian life. He walks about seeking whom he may devour. So when he sees that you have that wicked tendency in your mind towards someone, he's going to do all he can to solidify that grudge where you should cast it off, he's going to try and convince you to keep it, to hold on to it. And he's going to convince you with arguments in your mind. And listen, you know, you're like if you're like me, sometimes you talk to yourself. You talk to yourself in your mind and your thoughts. And we'll start thinking, well, I'm right to feel this way because he's wrong. And we begin to hold a grudge. When the devil finds those wicked thoughts, beloved, in our hearts, he's going to do his worst to solidify them because he wants you to keep on grudging. So grudge not is the command from James, one against another, brethren. This is very close to James 4.11. Look right up in verse 11 of chapter 4. So here he says, grudge not one against another, brethren. In chapter 4 and verse 11, he says, speak not evil one of another, brethren. Listen, if we have a grudge, listen, a a grudging heart will lead to speaking evil. A grudging heart will lead to us thinking wrong thoughts in our hearts towards someone. You remember recently, I think, I can't remember how long ago, I think I said it here, can't remember, but we talked about wrong thinking. We need to be able to recognize in our Christian lives when our thinking is wrong. And beloved, when we hold on to a grudge, we are thinking wrong. And it must not be how we think, beloved. Listen, we have to have enough, enough spiritual perception to take hold of this and realize this is against the Lord. And we need to be able to, to cast those sins out of our minds, beloved. Listen, a grudge is sinful and it's very unchristlike. like You think about what a grudge does to you. And think about what it does within your heart. And think about what it does when you look at the person perhaps that you have a grudge against. You're thinking evil in your hearts toward them. And in fact, sometimes when the person that you have a grudge against and maybe something happens to them that's bad, have you ever had this thought? Well, couldn't happen to a better person. That's wrong, beloved. And we are not to think evil in our hearts toward any. Listen, I'm not saying that we don't struggle with being mistreated in the world. I'm not saying that. We all struggle with people mistreating us, saying things that are wicked to us, saying things that are really mean-spirited to us. And we'll, we, we will struggle in those times. But listen, those are testing times, beloved. We are to do as our Lord had done. We'll see at the end of this that the Lord did not return evil for evil, but He committed Himself in all that happened to Him to him that judges righteously. And that's what we need to do. We need to commit ourselves, beloved, to he that judges righteously. Listen, our calling in this world is not to fight back against people that hurt us. This is not our kingdom. Our kingdom is not of this world. Jesus said, if my kingdom were of this world, then I would what? Fight. But our kingdom is not from this world. Beloved, your fight is to be against these thoughts, against these grudges, against these, this wrong thinking listen you may struggle but i'll tell you this a real christian doesn't hold grudges they may have a problem with it for a little while but they won't hold them and listen that you need that's the thought that you need to embrace the saddest word in verse 9 the saddest word in verse 9 is brethren that's the saddest word in the entire verse grudge not one against another brethren I pray that this sin would never be among any of us that you would never have a grudge in your heart toward any yes I know that you'll struggle did Jesus struggle with grudges well yeah he was tempted in all points like as we are did he struggle with hearing people say mean-spirited things about him Did he struggle with being slapped in the face? Did he struggle with being disrespected? Absolutely he did. He was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And so remember that, beloved, when you're tempted to hold a grudge, go to your Lord, go to the throne of grace, that you may find grace to help in that time of need. Realize that you need help from God, that you would not hold a grudge. Fact, James four one. James says, "From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your mem- lusts which war in your members?" So, if there's contention, wars and fightings among us as Christians, well, we're holding grudges. We're holding grudges. Look back at the that that reference, Leviticus nineteen. Go back there, Leviticus nineteen, <clears throat> in verse sixteen to eighteen. This Hebrew definition of a grudge means to keep or cherish, to keep or cherish resentment, to allow that sin to smolder within you towards someone else. Listen, we need to be able to recognize that because, listen, when we have a smoldering sin within us towards someone or towards someone, More than one person, it changes our spirit. And the spirit of Christ drains from us. It dissipates from us. And then we begin to behave like someone who's in the world. Listen, you go out into the world, the world is full of grudges. It's full of people that hate one another. I worked for a man in the National Guard. I was sitting in the office one day. And a retiree walked in. And the retiree walked in and said, hey, how y'all doing? And my boss was sitting by my desk, and we were talking about something with the Jets. And as soon as that guy walked in, the retiree, my boss got up and walked into his office and shut the door. Didn't say anything. I'm thinking, well, that's strange. Well, the retiree, the guy walked in, and we talked for a little while because he was still working in the guard when I got in. And we talked for a little bit, and then he left. And then I, I knocked on my boss's door and I went in and I said, why did you go into your office when when he came in? He says, well I'll tell you, because we were QA and we would ins- we would inspect the jets and if you find something wrong with the jet, you write it up after somebody did an inspection. So he found something wrong with his jet and he wrote it up and if it was a bad, if it was a major discrepancy, he failed the quality verification inspection. So." So this man failed the inspection and he bat, he slandered my boss who was an inspector in the day and he didn't like that so he slandered him. So from that time, and guess how long it had been since that thing happened. It had been like 18 years and he had held on to that grudge for 18 years and it changed who he was and you would talk to... You know, you talk to people and you mention a certain name and you can see their spirit changes. Listen, that should never happen among us, brethren. You could see if you talked about this certain person with my boss, he'd go, yeah, he'd start grumbling. Of course, that's what grudging means. It means to groan or to sigh or to grumble within your heart towards someone. Beloved, that, that must never be us. Look at Leviticus 19.16. <clears throat> Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer, gossiper, <clears throat> Excuse me. Among thy people, neither shalt thou stand against the blood of thy neighbor. I am the Lord. <clears throat> thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. You could say if you you have a grudge against someone, your brother, your sister, your friend, your neighbor. You could say that you have a hatred toward them. Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. So what he's saying is don't hate him. Don't hold a grudge against him. Go talk to him about it. Look, get it out in the open. Do it with humility. Talk to him about it. Say, hey, you know what? You did this and I didn't like it, you know. Be open about it. Don't hold a grudge. Of course, verse 18, Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. It's interesting that that avenge is coupled with grudging there. Now, Wednesday, James taught us how to handle cruelty and oppression from the wicked in this life. Go back to James 5, just to kind of connect the context here. James 5 and verse 7 and 8, James talked about the cruel rich men and how oppressive they were to the people of God in that day. And what's the natural response to being oppressed? What's the natural response if somebody is oppressing us? Well, we rise up against it. We fight against it. In fact, in 1524, uh, in the time of Martin Luther, there were the peasant wars. And the German nobles and the princes had oppressed the people in Germany in that time. Well, they rose up and they they revolted against the princes and the nobles. And they overthrew them and they wrote 12 articles. I think it was 12 articles. And they brought them to Martin Luther to get his approval. Martin Luther said, I cannot approve of this he said i cannot approve of this and of course he was looking at the scriptures and he said i cannot approve of this he says for bad government is better than no government and he says bad government is better than anarchy and it was a few years later that those people that revolted they were all it was it was a massacre it didn't it didn't turn out well and then you think come come well go backward actually jesus lived under the rule of the caesars one of the most oppressive governments that ever lived. Jesus never uttered a word of evil against Caesar. What did he say? He uttered words of respect. Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. Jesus didn't come here to fight Caesar, he came here to usher in the kingdom of God. And so, here, under oppression, and cruelty, James says, here's what you do. Be patient unto the coming of the Lord. Keep looking to Christ. That's what James's instructions were to the people. He says there, be patient therefore, brethren, wait like the farmer does. Verse 8, be ye also patient, establish your hearts in Christ for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. But again, we know that patience under cruelty is not a natural response. Beloved, we must continue to look above and look to our Heavenly Father in all of our tribulations and to remember that our Lord is going to come back. 2 Peter 3 says the Lord is not slack. He's going to come back. But now as we contrast the Lord's coming, James encourages the brethren here in verse 7 and 8. He says, man, encourage your hearts under this cruelty jesus is coming back encourage your hearts but now in verse 9 he warns them about the coming of the lord notice there grudge not one against another brethren lest ye be condemned and then he says behold the judge standeth at the door behold the judge standeth at the door in knowing, turn to 2 Peter 3.11, knowing that our Lord's going to return. In fact, this is one of the the strongest catalysts, I guess I would say, or one of the strongest effects that should be in every one of our hearts, knowing that the Lord's going to return. If we really believe that Christ is going to return, it will change the way we behave. It will actually drive the way we behave in our Christian lives if we really believe it. If we don't believe it, we'll hold grudges. We'll sin with impunity. We, we won't really care. But look what Peter says in Second Peter 3.11. He says, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, and he's talking about the return of Christ, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? If you hold a grudge, that's not Godliness. He says, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we Christians, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Beloved, that's who we are to be knowing that our Lord is going to return. That should drive us to repentance when we sin. Beloved, is to not be found this way. Listen, if these precious truths are in you, beloved, if you are truly waiting for your Lord's return, you will cast off hatred, you will cast off vengeance, And you will cast off any grudges that you are holding within your heart toward any. Listen, search your heart. Search your heart. I really believe with all my heart, if you pray, like David wrote in Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. Father, am I holding any grudges in my heart against any? I believe God will show you. And listen, you probably know. Listen, God is faithful. I've asked the Lord to show me my sin, and God is right there. He shows me my sin. Sometimes, well, every time it's not very comfortable. Sometimes it's even more uncomfortable when he he confronts you with your sin. He says, you asked me, now repent of it. If you really believe in me, if you really desire the appearing of my son, if you really want to live your life in holy conversation and godliness, you will cast off this transgression. And listen, beloved, that needs to be our heart's. I mean, think back of that passage in Leviticus. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people. Listen, when we hold a grudge, what we're really asking for, we want to we see the score settled. I mean, listen, this is how we think so often in our hearts. I we want to see the score settled. That's not the spirit of a Christian. Listen, the Christian lets God plead his cause. Like Psalm 35. The psalmist said, Lord, plead my cause with them that hate me. Plead my cause, Lord, with those that I struggle with. Help me, Father, to not hold a grudge. And listen, to hold a grudge is to really be bound up and shackled with sin. But to be able to cast those burdens on the Lord, that is a freedom from sin, beloved, where sin does no longer reign over you. And that's where we should be, every one of us. Listen, when you hold on to a grudge in your heart against someone, you're holding on to anger and hatred toward them. And this is not the spirit of a Christian. Look at Romans 12, just a few more passages and then we'll be done. Romans 12 and verse 12, and then verse 17. Romans 12. This Romans 12, as Paul began the, the practical section of the book of Romans. Romans 12 and verse 12 He says rejoice in hope, and what's our great hope? The the appearing of our Lord, rejoicing in hope of our salvation, of our eternal life that we have in Christ, and then he says patient in tribulation, patient in trouble, and then continuing instant in prayer. Verse 17, look at it, recompense no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceable, peaceably rather with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. And you, I go back to the Leviticus reference. If you're holding the grudge, well, then you might be looking for revenge pretty soon. So don't do it, beloved. Listen, vengeance is God's and God's alone. When he says, give place unto wrath, What the scripture means is that seat is for God and for God alone. Listen, God's the only one that knows even. We don't know even. If we're going to get somebody back, we're going to one up them. We don't know even. Beloved, we need to learn how to cast those burdens on the Lord. And listen, here's the last thing I'll say about grudging. When you hold the grudge, you're really not forgiving that person. The the prayer that the Lord taught us to pray, forgive us for our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive me for my sins. Luke's rendering, forgive us for our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. If you hold a grudge, you are not forgiving someone. But you don't understand how many times they've done this to me. You don't understand how many times they've sinned against me. How often they have mistreated me. How often they have said wicked things to me and hurt me. No, maybe I don't know that. But I do know how many times you've, you've hated Christ. Mm-hmm. I do know how many times you've sinned against God. And He's still patient and long-suffering and plenteous in mercy toward you. How could you not forgive your brother or your sister, or your friend, or your neighbor. In fact, Peter asked Christ, Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother? Seven times? No, Peter, till 70 times seven. You forgive him as many times as he comes to you and asks for forgiveness. Beloved, this is the Christian spirit, beloved. We are to be a forgiving people. In fact, Jesus goes on, it's the only supplication of that prayer that Christ goes back to and repeats which is forgiveness for if you forgive men their trespasses your heavenly father will forgive you but if you forgive not men their trespasses your heavenly neither will your heavenly father forgive your trespasses listen i thought to myself how could such a small verse be so powerful This is a powerful verse, beloved, and it speaks to our Christian lives. Listen, grudging, it's a secret sin. It's things that we hold in our hearts. It's things that maybe we don't tell people. But, beloved, it comes out. And listen, the worst thing about it is God does know our hearts. Listen, if you have a grudge in your heart right now against someone, think about this. How can you pray in faith and say, God, forgive me? How can you do it? And that was the thing. It's like, a, it was like, a, it's like a, a sword in my own heart. How can you ask me to forgive you when you're holding a grudge against this brother or that sister or this person? I mean, Jesus just answered that. Listen, grudge not one against another. The words, lest ye be condemned. You might say, yeah, but I'm a Christian. I have the righteousness of Christ. I've been washed in the blood of Christ. You know, a lot of these epistles, when you read this, and Paul and James and, and the writers of the New Testament, they said, brethren, but you know what? There were probably some hypocrites among these. If you hold on to a grudge, you hold on to your sin, and you continue to persist in your sin, and you refuse to bow before God and repent of your sin, it might be the case that you're a hypocrite. Don't judge lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth at the door. Listen, it's the last day of 2023. You might have a grudge that you've held on to. Leave your grudges behind, brethren, in 2023. Look intently with a holy desire to emulate the Lord Jesus. And he's our great example, and I'll finish here. Look at 1 Peter 2.21. First Peter two twenty one. In fact, we won't go there, but Isaiah fifty three seven, the Bible says He was oppressed and afflicted. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. But here in First Peter in chapter two and twenty-one, and we could go other other places, but for the sake of time we'll stop here. He says, For even hereunto were you called. And of course, right before this he talked about us taking patiently our sufferings. In fact, First Peter is an epistle about the suffering Christians. Um, in fact, in chapter 2 and verse 11, he says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. One of those fleshly lusts is grudging, holding grudges. Here in verse 21, he says, Jesus is our example in suffering. He left us an example of himself that we should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. That's because there was no guile in his heart, beloved. Who did no sin. I'm sorry, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself. And here's where we need to be. Commit ourselves to him that judgeth righteously. We need to commit ourselves to the Lord. You say, how do you do that when somebody, when somebody spews out hatred towards you? When somebody threatens you, when somebody says wicked things about you, slanders your person, how do you do that? How do you, how do you commit that to the Lord? How do you do it? By grace. Mm-hmm. By the grace of God. By trusting the Lord beloved some of the most difficult things to do as christians are the most simple things to understand from the scriptures but we pass them by because we think we know them beloved we need to commit our way to the lord listen there is a there listen it's a it's a supernatural freedom that god will give you that you are able to pass by transgressions listen love Covers a multitude of sins. Listen, we are called to do so many unnatural things. You are called to love your enemy, to pray for those that despitefully use you and hate you. Those are not natural responses. So don't grudge, beloved. Pray for them. I think of the Lord Jesus saying this Why did you not cast this burden upon me? Why did you not commit this offense and sin to me for me to handle it? Why did you not have me plead your cause, my son or daughter? And why did you not lovingly plead for the one that offended you? That's the response that we ought to have, beloved. I close with Galatians 5.14. Paul writes here, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Get those last two words, as thyself. Love your neighbor. Love your brother and sister the way you want to be loved. And you'll do well. Ask God to give you the grace to be able to do that. To love your neighbor as yourself. Love those that are unlovely. Love those that hate you, beloved. That's liberating. That's what it means to be a Christian. Beloved, when we can let those things go, I commit that to you, Lord. Paul says, but if you bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed, or it means destroyed. It means destroyed one of another. A grudge will destroy you. It will destroy your spirit. It will drain the spirit of Christ from you. It will hurt the testimony of Christ. It will give great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. Oh, beloved, cast off this sin. The world is so full of grudges. And if we're not careful, we'll learn their ways. Don't let it in here. Don't let it come in in you. Don't grudge against especially your brother or your sister in Christ. This passage in Galatians One commentator wrote about them consuming one another. He said, this is like sheep acting the part of ravenous wolves. Sheep acting the part of ravenous wolves. So remember, brethren, grudge not one against another. Brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth at the door. Let's pray. Oh God, I pray that I thank you from my own soul Father that you have helped me to think about this verse and Father to act upon it I pray that you would help us all Father oh God that we would have the spirit of Christ that we would be full of your Holy Spirit oh God that the fruit of the spirit would come forth from our lives not the works of the flesh not thoughts of the flesh Father not grudges not hatred not vengeance none of that Father oh God but may we be filled with the gentle and meek spirit of Christ, the holy and harmless spirit of Christ, the righteous spirit of Christ. Help us, Heavenly Father. Please conform us to thine image, O God. O God, forgive us where we have failed you in this. Help your little church, Father. We offer ourselves up to you, Father. We want to be living sacrifices, O God. We don't want to ask you for forgiveness if we're not forgiving someone else. Oh, please help us. Father, help us with your grace. Do that in us that we can't do. So often we fail, Lord. We need your help, and we pray for it. Help us, Father. Bless my brother as he comes and preaches in the next hour, Father. Meet with us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.